And now, Touch My Bass Productions presents The Shootout with Bill Blanchard. And now, part two of our sit-down exclusive with Chris Wiggins. What about... Um, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned... This is going to be a two-parter. Yeah, it is. When, the, when, when, this, when, this goes to, when it goes from, you know, when, when FCW, you know, it closes doors, y'all stopped for a while, and the Eric then moved on into some other things. Y'all were kind of dormant for a couple of years. You know, I know Daniel would every now and then show up to... You know, AWS is what we were doing. We had some you know, younger guys wanting to learn, and we were, we were trying to evolve ourselves. But what motivated you to start Flatline Pro? You stopped touring like you were doing, and then, you know, trying to come up promoter. Uh, I ran into Daniel, like, at the July 4th get-together at Patriots Park. There you go. We talked about it. Like, hey, man, you know where the ring's at. We wanted – there was no wrestling in Augusta, and I got tired of traveling. So it was like, I'm going to use the connections that I've made while I was doing a li- very little traveling. I didn't do a lot. I did very little. I'm not going to go out and say, hey, I wrestle everywhere. And no, I wrestle around Georgia and South Carolina and, you know, a little bit here and there outside yeah. of that realm. Most of those are two, two states I stayed in um, just because my schedule did not work out being a fireman. And I just I wanted something different. I wanted to do what I thought wrestling should be. Um, I am a third-generation wrestling fan. Grandfather watched it. My dad watched it. My dad went to the Bell Auditorium when he was a kid. Yeah. Um, and he, it's all I, that's all I know. I know nothing other than wrestling. Um, and, and from age two to, to now, 28 years of wrestling. And I just, I felt like I didn't, I was falling away from wrestling as a WWE fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really doing anything for me. Um, I was watching stuff from overseas. Yeah. But I really wanted to go, okay, this – and I, all the independent wrestling shows I was going to were essentially the same. They were a ring in a building with, with – some of them had lights, some of them had house lights. But nobody brought what I envisioned of what independent wrestling was. So then I had a huge conversation with Daniel about it. He knew where the ring was at. He knew where the old Flatline Championship Wrestling ring was at. Um, so we, we made a deal. We were originally we were going to make a deal with Fallon, uh, kind of uh, her. She was going to – lease it to us essentially and we were going to basically she was going to front us the money ahead of time and we were going to make payments on the ring for whatever reason the idea changed uh, a couple weeks before we actually started to actually touch the ring and stuff like that it was like hey I want you to buy the ring up front uh, we don't want to do you know whatever we had planned we didn't want she didn't want to do anymore and it was fine and so I you know eventually took out a personal loan and Bought the ring, worked on it for like three months, and then started the show. <laughs> you know, we basically, I took people that I thought were still relevant or might be relevant to the fans that were going to come back from old. I was hoping we were going to cash in on old FCW fans. Um, I always, you know, was very grateful for what we did in Flatline previously. And I was like, okay, well, let's try to start this fan following. Because I, I walked down the streets and people, I was downtown at a show at first Friday, and people were like, hey, what's the night? Like, no, I haven't wrestled in Augusta in forever. So it's like people are asking about it. If they're going to ask for it, there's, there's got to be some type of fan following for it. So let's do it. And let's do it better than what we did before. Exactly. Let's make this a business. Mm-hmm. Let's keep records. Let's, uh, you know, actually try to make some money off of this to help pay the guys. Uh, start making more money so that we can bring in better talent. So we can have the guys who really want to be here and bring the other talent in and try to get them to come down and, and work each other. And eventually, you know, there's just – a lot of politics and a lot of different money issues came up 
to kind of change some of our visions as we went, went along. Some issues. Well, I, I say politics. I mean county I, politics. You know, I don't, I don't really call myself a really, really big, big promoter. But you know, I had a hand in a few times and tried. My biggest difficulty is how do you control the egos? Everybody wants to do this, wants to do that, and they want to put a gun in your head. So if I don't do this, I'm walking. You know, let them walk. How, how did you? Yeah, I mean, I got yeah, somebody. Walk. Yeah, well, the dude can go. You, you know? may. You, well, it, it, my mind is, is like, do you you find what are we arguing about? Mm-hmm. Is it worth you know saying like, okay, which I mean, it's got to make sense. Before me and Anthony Hendrick got friend, before we became friends, like first six months of Flatline, we argued. Well, I don't want to do this because I don't think it, you know it makes sense. It didn't make sense to him. You know, but it made sense to me. So we would try to find a compromise of some sort. If there was any compromise, that's what you do. I mean, you just try to compromise with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, I was not the type of, I don't feel like I was the type of promoter that came in and said, well, you're doing this because I said so. I never came in. The guys were like, what do you want me to do? I was finished. What's well, the finish going to be the match? And I don't care, man. Like, do what you think is right for the fans. And if it's right for the fans, the fans will get it. If they don't get it, we won't do that again. Um, we book stories. That was our main thing. Like, if it didn't have anything to do with our stories, then go out there and do, don't kill the guy. Don't kill his credibility. Don't kill his character. But do what makes sense. And the guys we dealt with, they knew what made sense. They knew what didn't make sense. The ones who didn't who, who didn't understand Nick Raspat weren't there. I always said this. The guys who don't get what we're doing. Now what? I mean, they could be a hell of a wrestler. Darkness. Hell of a guy. Great character for whoever else. It didn't work with us. It worked for a long for a certain time, and eventually, it's like it didn't work for us. Um, and there was some some problems where we, we couldn't meet. You know, like the dates weren't adding up right, and it, and it didn't work for us anymore. You know, um, the people who want to be there will do everything they can to be there. The others will weed themselves out. We've given opportunities. We gave a lot of opportunities, and I don't use I'm use the word opportunity loosely because there's a lot of shooting that went on. With flatline after it closed about what we considered an opportunity. Um, I'm not going to, unless you really want to talk about it, I'd rather not talk about that. But I think we gave, we an opportunity to me was, like, we gave a platform, and that's all we ever said we were going to do. We're going to try to make guys better. We're going to try to give them notoriety. We're try to give them a place to, to be better than what they were before when they, when they walked in. I think a lot of people walked into flatline. The ones who did good stayed there and made the best of the situation. It took the positives and hid the negatives, they insinuated the positives, hide the negatives. That's why my whole philosophy was based off of off that. I knew that we didn't have, we weren't going to have the best Ring of Honor wrestling talent. Mm-hmm. We were going to have damn good production. We were going to write stories that other people were not willing to write. We were going to do stories that people could connect with. Um, we, and, and I think we did that. So, man, I go on a lot of tangents. I have I know, a huge man. tangent. Like, you're I can probably knock this down dude. in like a minute. I'm, I'm, having, I'm, 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 I'm having fun with this. Um, my next question is: When you're doing now, you're doing Flatline Pro, you know, and I'm really, you know, you got my eye. And I've been, I've been watching stuff, and now I'm talking to Chris about, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll talk all night about, it, especially when I'm at the hospital doing security. I get him on the phone to Milan, and he would tell me, you know, I'm hearing a lot of good talk, you know, and I, and I met him a couple of times in passing, you know, the fireman. You know, you had this, you know, I think, oh, I believe this is our first time I did a cage match in Flatline Pro. Yeah. How'd you go about getting that? And y'all, y'all been to beat, you know, that big old match you had. You were, I think you were the champion. You know, that was the, uh, well, the, let me give this about, about Mr. Brewer. Okay. He is the best self-promoter. I didn't know the guy. 
I see him on the news all the time. And no clue who he was. I knew he was here twice. When I asked Chris about him, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, and then, we're here promoting the show on Facebook and trying to do it around town. And he was like, how are you having wrestling with CSRA without firemen? Who the hell's a fire? Yeah. I'm at the firehouse <laughs> and I got a guy that's like, man, you know this guy up in Thompson? Yeah. He, by then he had already done Fall Brawl 1. Yeah. I had no clue about it. I had no idea what it was. And and they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm very, you know, getting, I, I did wrestling, did some booking, but I've never did promoting. So I really didn't know what was going on around me. I'm not very good at networking. I've learned a lot of that over the years. But so he brought, he just started going off the cuff of like, you know, you need to have me. So we're like, let's bring this guy on and see what he can do. He brought he opened he oh he took an opportunity and he ran with it. He does it all the time. He's doing it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that guy's not in the WWE in the next five years, I I lose all hope from mankind because there's no reason why that guy shouldn't be <laughs> I know in the WWE. He shouldn't be because he's, he's a promoting guy. He does really good work. Anyways, so I mean, he did it. He was it. He was the social. If every if I had twenty firemen, Flatline would be way bigger than what it was because he made Flatline a big company. He made it seem like it was WWE, um, which is what we were trying to do. Yeah. Um, he did. He does. It's a. I mean, just the guy is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the wrestling business. He's always positive. Mm-hmm. He's always. Anytime he's helped me a lot with my refereeing. Um, I've asked him a lot. He's like, "Hey, what do I need to do? Like, watch my match. Help me out here." And um, he's very positive. Always giving direction. And uh, I was not supposed to have the belt that long. I was supposed to be transitional champion. So yeah. I have for a couple months. Um, the guy we were putting it on got in some legal issues, uh, which, you know, got, were very public. And, um, yeah. so we had to cut that loose and, um, that guy was supposed to be very promising. We actually did a really good angle with him. Uh, he was very promising. He was a good worker. Just that personal I'm issues. I'm his name. Just so I know what we're talking about. Cause if we had run this with him, they had like with, with meth or something like that. Drugs yeah, he had he had some drug issues. That's what I thought. Um, and I don't think our fans would have known about it. But if he would have continued to be there, it would have been something that got brought up. And we and all know Columbia is, County is very yeah. public about things. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. that could have led some investigations of like, was a guy doing it here? We would have exactly. a lot of things were, you know, that were going on at Flatline could have been exposed. Like, I mean, you know, they, we had such a good relationship with Patriots Park that they said, well, as long as you provide your own security and the guardrails. You don't have to have a sheriff's officer here, um, but if we do have issues, we have to get a sheriff's officer here. Yeah. And so yeah. that was one of the things we did. We try to keep our nose clean and do best business for everybody. Uh, so they, that. so that that got canned, and the belt got thrown on me. I didn't book it. I never booked myself. Um, I didn't believe in it. Uh, this is when everywhere I went, it was like, oh, the rest of the, the Booker is the champ. The Booker's this. The Booker's that. I wanted. I mean, that's why I had a booking team. It was a democracy. It's not a dictatorship. Um, so I got the belt got put that, on me, how and we. How did that work? It worked really. It worked well. It worked well. We. It was three. There was three. There was three core people. There's four people total. Four or five people total. So it started off with me and Daniel and Brandon, and we brought in Caleb Kitchens to watch the shows, kind of give us a critique, uh-huh. and it turned into like he was giving us like everything's kind of seen the same, the same, and I realized that me and Parker together had the same mindset. And Daniel didn't know much about wrestling, but knew the entertainment side of it, knew the production, knew how to kind of build some stories. But we knew how to book the guys. And so Caleb brought in the other, another dimension to what we just, what we had. And um, so eventually, uh, it last like two years, it was Brandon, Caleb, myself, and Daniel would come together. And so there's four of us, 
And when we got to a point where the group would be split, we brought in, and, and this sounds really weird, and people were like, who the, who the F would do this? My wife was a, is an attitude kid. She watched wrestling back when it was hot. Yeah. She was what we had, the casual fan. She had no clue how the business worked, but she knew as a fan what she would want to see. So we would take her perception. Uh, she would come in and be like, I don't know if that, that doesn't really make sense to me. So she'd be like a tiebreaker. But most of the time it worked. I mean, we were there for hours talking about it, uh, four hours, eight hours sometimes, where like one idea would send me to another idea. Or we'd go, hey, that doesn't make sense, but this would. And like, so you have to justify why it makes sense. It's like being in a courtroom sometimes. It, it, I, I, I can relate to that. We, we would do the same thing when, when they do, between me and Chris and, you know, Jay. And we brought in CJ. And we brought CJ's wife in because you know, Denise is a big, big wrestling fan. You know, and we would go hours and hours. The only, the only problem is, though, two of us would agree. The other three wouldn't agree. And then and right. it seemed like we leave. It, it seemed like we're on the same sheet of music, you know. But when we leave, people had their own agendas on what they wanted to do. It, it caused a lot of fights, you know. Well, arguments. you know, that's the one thing that, that like, you got to surround yourself with, with different things. When you're friends, mm. you kind of tend to make people mad, you know. And when they get mad, they like personal. Like, all of us had to walk in the door. Without having a personal, it was like this is business. Yeah, you can't. Have what are we gonna do for the business? Exactly. And, and I think I, I tried to help lead by example, saying like, I'm not gonna book myself. I don't care what it, when you book me. Whatever you think it work. If I feel like it's gonna kill my character, we're not gonna do it. So we had like they had the huge build up to the biggest show we've ever done to this date. The numbers thrown around. Um, I'm gonna give an estimate. It was somewhere between 400 and 430. Somewhere in that it area. Was big crowd, I, um, but it was first ever cage match in Patriots Park. Yeah. First cage match for Flatline Championship Wrestling. I mean, Flatline Pro Wrestling. And I did it. And the one time I was there, I never called it Flat Championship Wrestling. I called it this time. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> put that out there. We used, get, we used to get on a lot of people that come in like, oh, this is FCW. Like, no, it's FBW, damn it. FBW. Anyway, oh, so. I remember that. And like, it helped out because we had firemen who helped promote it. You had Daniel and Caleb who collaborated on building the storyline. You had Caleb who helped do the production on on some of the matches, the lead-in videos and stuff like that. And then, you know, we just we made sure that we were like, this is going to be our WrestleMania, and we're going to make it the biggest ever. You know, we had a four-man or six-man ladder match, um, but it was just, it was phenomenal. Um to this day, that's like my, one of my favorite matches that I've ever been a part of because it's like I get to hold like I may have been it in the the biggest flatline match ever, blah 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 blah. You know, it just I, it brings up a lot of memories. And it's like, man, I was something watching the other day. I was listening to uh, uh, some podcast and stuff like that. I was like, man, I really love the wrestling business. I want to get back into it, like promoting and stuff. But then I was like, oh man, it's a lot of headache. Promoting's a whole another world. Yeah, booking's one thing. Promoting is a whole other world, and it's just now, like it's just crazy. When you now, what was the hardest challenge for you? You know, you know wrestling, promoting, booking. You know, well, I quit booking. wrestling. I, that cage match was my last wrestling match that I did prior prior to the last more last match you had. Yeah, which I, was complete. Was not supposed to happen. I don't even get to talk about that. A I'm, I'm going to. I, that, that's, so, I, but the, I to, to, to try to not get on a huge tangent, you're like, I'm, God, I'm so bad about. But the hardest part to me was like being a wrestler. Actually, being at the show and having to, we got there. We used to get in at four o'clock. The show started at eight. Fans got in at seven thirty. You know what my biggest pet peeve is about professional about indie wrestling? Show never starting on time. 
right? So out of the three and a half years we did it, we had probably like two times we showed it and started on two or three times. A, because something happened with the ring, or B, something happened with production. We had to hold it down. But the show always started on time within five minutes. We never super late. I said one time we had where the production failed, like the whole thing crashed. We started like 15 minutes late. But so like it was hard to be able to go in and have to manipulate, get all these people together and do what, this is your match, this is what's going on. We didn't have agents, which we probably should have, but we didn't. So it was a lot of me and Caleb running around. He was getting the video, he was getting videos, backstage stuff being, being done. I was trying to get the matches together. Like, hey, this is what needs to be done. I was getting ring together. Um, and then I turn around, had to get, get ready, do my match, and also watch the show because you can watch the show on film all day long. But if you're not yeah. watching your product live, yeah. you don't know what the fans are doing. So that was my big thing. I always tried to watch at least two or three matches out of the show so that way I kind of got a gauge of what's going on. I had my hand in everything and everybody who ever had anything to do with me at Flatline says I was an asshole because I was anally attentive to everything that went on. And it was true because I strived for what I could consider perfection as much as I could with what we had. Um, we were doing things that other companies, we were doing things in three and a half hours that other companies were doing in 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. What other and be, and we're being successful at it, you know. So I mean that that was my hard part was that and that's why that March Champions I left like I was done. I, was like, I can't wrestle anymore. There's not enough time at a show for me to set up, get the guys together, do the production meeting, make sure everything's good to go, and you know supervise everything that was going on. Cause right, I, right. You know, and and towards the tail like the last year or so of Flatline Pro Wrestling, I started letting go and letting people start doing. It. I was not trying. That was one of Paul Heyman's demises. He, the company was growing, and he was trying to do too much. He didn't even trust people to do other things. I trust people, but I was so anal, like, I got to do this, got to do this, guys. And eventually, people started realizing kind of things that I liked, something I wanted done. And I kind of, and Tri told me, like, hey, man, relax. It's not that bad. We're doing a good show. They don't know. You know what they don't know, that's what matters, is what the fans know. They don't know what's going on back here, so just calm down. Yeah. You know, yeah, so I eventually yeah. started calming down and started letting people. You know, take over, start letting, you know, stop micromanaging. One of the things I hated, I did. And I started letting it go. And it was it was just kind of late, but I think everybody kind of got burned out towards the end, you know? Well, before I get to that question about, you know, the, the last days of FPW and what happened, um, when you broke you broke into wrestling, you, you, you broke into wrestling, you know, you originally said you want to be a referee, you want to manage, you want to now, and then you make, no, you're going to be a wrestler. You took off in your wrestling career, you're doing all this stuff, you started doing Flatline Pro, now you're a promoter, you're a booker, and then people, you know, a couple I actually talked to, what made you decide, you, you did all that, you made, made it a big time, you've been a champion, you know, not refereeing. What, what's the motivation, and all of a sudden now you want, you want to go on tour and be a referee? My biggest problem when it came to wrestling was like, where do I fit in? Uh, what does this business need and what do I need to do? Right. Because I'm always going to do what I think is best for the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I did that at, 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 at um, uh, PWX, Pro Wrestling Experience, in uh, North Carolina. I went there and I refereed a couple of times. I was gone for work and I came back. And they have like four or five referees and all of them are really good. And it was like, I went to Patrick Price, the booker there, and I was like, man... I don't want to referee tonight. Are you out of your mind? Like, why not? I say because, you know, I, I just don't want. Like, I feel like I'm needed somewhere else. He's like, yeah, well, I could use you here, and you know, production assistance essentially what I was kind of doing. Yeah. Um, 
So that's kind of how it felt. Like we had some really good referees, like Kevin Pierce, Andrew Aikens, uh, Jeff Ruff was there. Uh, Shane was there. Shano, a lot of people know him. Uh, was a guy who didn't get to do it a lot. So every t- I felt like every time he was coming back to flat line, it was kind of like he had to kind of not necessarily start over, but you know he didn't have a lot of time to to hone that craft and to get the belt to get experience underneath the belt. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he was always trying to work on things, work on things, and he just could never get you – know, he would get things down, but then he would lose it by – like, he would learn, he would get them down at the beginning of the show, and by the end of the show, he had them down perfect, and then the next time he came around, he lost all of it again. Um, so, we lost Jeff the ref. Uh, Kevin Pierce tra- was starting to travel. Andrew Aikens had his own thing going on in Atlanta. Um, and it was like, man, we're, we're kind of, like, losing referees. You know, we need some more local referees. I love it. Let's try it. So I went to APW. Before I did it at Flatline, this guy when I told a lot of guys, like, don't come to Flatline and try to start new stuff. Like, go to places, start some new stuff, come here and do really awesome stuff. Yeah. You know, because yeah, we're trying to build a brand. Yeah, yeah. So I went to APW, did the refereeing thing. I actually did refereeing thing at a local uh, thing, uh, like Livewire Aftershock or something like that. I did that shits and giggles. Yeah. Just to have fun because they didn't have a referee. So I was yeah. like, I'll do it. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, I'm good at it. I'm having fun. I'm loving it. I got the best seat in the house, and I didn't pay for it because I'm getting paid to do it. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's essentially what it was. I, I love wrestling so much, but I didn't want my, – my back is killing me. For When I went to the doctor when I was 28 years old, I said, I need – my back is spazzing out. I'm a full-time firefighter, yeah. part-time EMT, yeah. uh, outside of firefighting, um, which a lot of our calls are EMT-related. Um I was like lifting patients up and down. I'm wrestling, hurt my back. Yeah. So I need some muscle relaxers. My back yeah. is spazzing out. Yeah. So let me tell you, I got a prescription for it. It's called quit wrestling. It's traveling, all that stuff. Anybody who, who's done a large amount of traveling and puts their body online, does crazy stuff, does good stuff, does anything right, you're going to start hurting. Yeah. So it's like, I get out of the business. I'm hurting. I got this to, to help flatline. And then it's like, I want to get back in the business. But how do I do it? Because I don't want to wrestle anymore. And refereeing became an envelope. Actually, one of my biggest... I have a couple big accomplishments, as I feel like, as a referee. Um, if it wasn't for Anthony Henry, he helped me out. He really put me over at, at PWX. My first big match that I ever got. I mean, I got thrown to the wolves, in my opinion, because I've really never been trained as a referee. I just I studied WWE tape. I started watching shoot interviews with Jimmy Cordes, learning about that. Got thrown in there with him and Tommaso Ciampa. And um, I don't know if you followed Tommaso Ciampa. He's in, Going into the global cruiserweight with NXT and uh, all that stuff. It's WWE's going on. So I'm sitting there, and Tomasa had been selling. They were like match four. Tomasa had been out there selling gimmicks. He comes back. He's like, oh, man, we can talk the match over. So I'm like, I'm nervous because I'm in here with a, with guys who are seasoned veterans. I'm like, man, I do not want to mess up. I felt like I was a greenheart starting all over again. It was the bottom. And paying the dues. And I'm sitting there listening, and, and – I'm like, what, 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 what do I need to do here? What do I need to do there? He's like, hey, hey, hey. You don't need to know the, you don't need to know the fucking match. Just know the fucking finish and get out there. So I run out there. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like, so I'm nervous as hell. And I did great. I, I did good. I never say I do great because there's always room for improvement. True. But that, so I started there. And then I got to go to uh, Tennessee. And I got to do, I got to be part of, uh, or, or North Georgia. I got to be part of a Scenic City Invitational Tournament. I got to work with Jimmy Rave. I got to work with the up-and-comer Gunnar Miller. I got to work around uh, Tank, um, you know, Congo Kong, Anthony Henry, um, Lynch Brothers. 
I had a great time. I learned. Rick Michaels got to go in the back with him, and I was like, what? You have been to the dance. You helped AJ Styles train. You know what to look for. Like, I need some pointers. And he was just like, man, you, you, you know you're good. You need experience. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're good. Do great with this. Do great with that. You just go get experience. And that's kind of what I tried to do. You know, um, being involved with Flatline, it takes up. This is why I told my wife. I said, I was telling her the other day, it's like, you know, 30, 30 days to get three hours of fun. That's how much work went into Flatline. 30 days. And all you get to see of it is three hours. So it was putting a toll on me, putting a toll on my family. Couldn't do refereeing, so I had to take, kind of take that back step to kind of let Flatline go. I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm a booker. I'm a promoter of Flatline in my own company. Why am I not refereeing in my own company? I know, right? Because I can still be involved with the business. I'm not out there the whole time. I'm only out there a couple of matches. And then I, on top of that, I get to give the guys the cues and you know do the referee thing and, and try to have some sort of quality control of the match. So that's essentially why... I did the refereeing. I think I got like away again. Golly. No, dude, Chris, awesome. you need to start giving me the, the wrap up, <laughs> awesome. the go home spots on my, on my speeches there because I'm, I'm eating up your time. Well, I know we, I, I told Christopher, I said, I didn't want to put a whole lot of time on this one because, yeah, hey, hey, this is Chris fucking Wiggins, man. I was and he's going to talk very a lot. fired. I was very, very, very fired up about this he's guy. The king of the shoot, okay? You know? <laughs> but, anyways, I wanted to, all right, uh, I heard this rumor, you know, and I'm going to bring this up. Because you know, I, I told Coach first, I don't believe it until I see it. It just ain't no freaking way. You got to have so much success. You know, and I, I was envious of it, you know, because AW was never able to catch a break, you know, despite, you know, if it wasn't my personal problems, it was Chris's or Garganis's and, you know, hell, man. It, was, it, it just freaking sucked. But we still love wrestling not much. We still got together and we just want to freaking wrestle. But when Christopher says, man, y'all ain't going to believe this. Here's an African rumor. Front line going under. What? Hell no. You know, and then we and we and we looked into it. You know, I, I want to know where it's hot. You know, was it someone who just had it out for y'all that went to Columbia County or Columbia County just saw you guys were making money? And when we were told was Columbia County told you, look, we're doing y'all's concession for now on. You can't sell concession here no more. You know, is that what really that? Well, okay, so um, guys who know old FCW days know of a guy named Charlie Blackwell. Yes, he's a huge fan of Flatline, huge fan of wrestling. Um, he actually, from my understanding, had the contract to the concessions for all of Patriots Park, all of Columbia County recreation stuff. Uh-huh. Um, because he loved wrestling so much, and he actually loved this community so much, uh-huh. he would allow, uh, whether it be uh, you know the little basketball leagues that would come in or some of these special tournaments that were trying to raise money and stuff like that, he would let them run the conce- their own concessions. It's like, hey, you know, you can just follow my umbrella. It does not be under my umbrella of contract. So, um, going into, um, let me get my numbers right here. Going into 2015, uh, from I, I did not have this conversation with him. This is something Daniel had, but this is what repeated to me was that he had some he had some um, personal issues that he had to take care of, and that he knew that if he took it, the amount of time that it was going to take with these issues, that the concession business was going to have a hard time. We wouldn't be able to control it the way he needed to and run it properly. So he decided not to put his bid in for the 2015 concession year. Um, that being said, the story that was told to me from Columbia County Management was that they didn't have people uh, to put in the bid or the bids were too high and stuff like that so they couldn't meet it. So Columbia County said, hey, why don't we just start doing our own concessions? 
I don't know how true that story is. I'm just going off of what I was told. Right, right. So, um, the the guy that was running Pages Park, Justin at the time, um, it was no longer there. He, uh, super nice guy. We've never had any problems. We had Robbie Kaiser was always was one of my really good friends being there. Uh, he took a step back. He's doing something else now. He was there from the FCW days to the FPW days. Um, and then Justin came and took over, and he said, look, I don't know what, what's going to happen, but as uh, far as I know, if you guys can run concessions until we find out what's going on. So January, February, we run concessions. Uh, March, we run concessions. Make good money. This is a bread and butter. This is where we're making our profits from. Yeah. You know, we're paying the guys. This is what we're using to, to fix things, buy things, whatever. Um, and two weeks before the April show, which is our worst show of the year, um, because Masters and stuff like that, they call us and say, uh, just notifying you that we're not doing concessions anymore. You're not, you're not doing it. Come kind of take over. Here's the thing. This is where I have a problem. Yes, we took a big blow with the money deal, but it did not affect us because we were smart where we put the money. We made. We also had. We're still making good money. We just want to make an extra bread and butter. Um, so the profits went down a little bit, but that didn't affect us. Yeah, it's not what happened. What affected us? Quality control. From the ticket stand, from the time you bought a ticket, the time you left, we had quality control. Over everything. Now we don't. So now we have people who are not who are having to pay more. We have to we have to try to compensate some of our lost revenue. So we have to go up with the ticket prices. So now people are coming in and saying, "Now I got to pay more for the show," which I should have been paying for anyways. But now I don't get the concessions that I'm used to. We had families of four that would say, "Hey, look, we do lunch. We wouldn't do dinner. We come flatline. We buy popcorn, hot dogs, candy, yeah, sodas, yeah, yeah. and only spend twenty dollars for a yeah. family of four. Yeah, and they only paid thirty dollars to get in. Where can you go anywhere this day and age and pay fifty dollars and have oh, a yeah, good time? A for family time of four. For, for a family of four. You're right. So now the prices are going up. The quality's going down. Now the fans are getting mad. So they're they're leaving. Fortunately, we were capable of bringing in a new era of fans through. Uh, different types of advertising, but we were losing fans that were been there from the beginning because they were like, "Man, this is not. I don't like the concession." The reason why they didn't like the concession, besides the money issues, the prices, was that we had concessions inside the actual gym where we were putting on the show. So you could let your kid, you could sit down in your first row, you know, let your little Johnny go to the table, go get his his candy, come back, and not have any problems. Well, they moved it to the concourse up front. Walk so out. now you got to walk all over there. Then yeah. it's congested as well. So you got 200 people trying to fit in a spot that only really holds 30 or 40. Yeah. So now they're getting pissed. So it's like always, and they're like, oh, they're not friendly because you got some Joe Schmo that's a teenage kid making minimum wage who doesn't care. He's just trying to get paid. Yeah. I had my, let me, flatline, people want to say we use the word flatline as a family. It was thrown around loosely, whatever. It wasn't. My mom, my stepdad, my sister, my few, my well, now my mother-in-law and father-in-law, they were there. They ran my concessions. They ran. My wife ran tickets. My wife took pictures. The girlfriends ran other tables uh, for us. Yeah. Uh, it was. We had family there. Like every family, we're going to fight. We're going to have disagreements, and that's what happened. And I think people aired that out later on in the world. And we've all come to terms with the people. The people who are mad and aired out business. I've had. One-on-one conversations with most of them, and everything's been squashed and that's the table. That's good. So that's good. We can definitely act professional. But in April of 2015, it was a huge blow to the gut, yeah. to our morale. And on top of that, it was like 
we find out that we could have been getting in the building at 9 o'clock in the morning. We also find out that the blue tarps that we have to lay out every night, clean them up, put them back up, should have never been our job. It was supposed to be county's job. So things we've been doing for years and, and having issues in and the extra work that we've been putting in, we could have been getting away with forever and not having to do it. So it's like a lot more actually, issues. You actually wouldn't have a heart-to-heart talk with the fans out there in the ring one I did. The, the, and and um, I don't know if it was April that I had the heart-to-heart fan talk with them. I think it was May. It was May when I went out there and talked to them because I think we were like, well, we can't just throw the new ticket prices on two weeks before. We already started selling tickets online. I told them, I was like, I felt as a fan of wrestling and as a honest person that when I get charged extra for something, yeah. I want to know where the fuck the money's going. Because that was one of my complaints with a lot of places that I would go and that would pay guys low money. I was like, where's the, where, you're pocketing the money, where's the money going? So I, I felt the need to explain to them. I just shouldn't have had to, but I felt the need because I loved my fans. I love the fans of Columbia County. They, 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 support us so long exactly so i that's why i did it when i told them i was like hey this is what's going on and it's not a shoot on columbia county because they, they treat us great there was just a lot of miscommunication and that's county politics yeah. it's gonna happen yeah, it's gonna happen you know and i and i hopefully i gained respect from the fans i felt like i did uh, knowing at the end of the you know when we got to you the did. end that i really did you did tell us your experience you know the last show what's going through your mind you know you got this you know, person you start off with, you didn't like him, y'all didn't like each other, but then, you know, y'all worked things out, got a great work relationship. What what made Anthony Henry special to the point where, okay, this is my, this is my last show as a promoter, as a booker here, Flatline Pro, what's the legacy? You why, know, why did you pick Anthony? You know the story? I know the you story. You know what's supposed to happen? All right, so, um, I, I, I'm a, I, I'm an Anthony Henry guy. I get called it all the time. Uh, he is the guy from the very beginning of Flatline. I, I met Anthony Henry a long time ago at like a Bull Putsky show. He didn't right, even remember right. it. Um, I didn't like him then. I go to APW when I meet him for the for the legitimate first time. We're gonna be working with each other. He didn't like me. I didn't like him. He called me an asshole. Look at this asshole. Look at what he's look at what he's doing. You know, he didn't like me. Um, going to the first Bar of Champions, we wanted to put him over as the first champ. As a, uh, we actually going in. To um, the tournament, yes. To declare the first champion, we wanted to put him over, but we didn't. I didn't know him. I didn't trust him. And I was like, "Man, this guy's good. There's no way he's going to stay with us." I had no clue that we were going to be going for like three years doing 300, 400 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually got to a point where I realized like he knew what he was doing. He knew, and then he realized that I knew what I was doing. So we kind of became friends with that. We were riding back and forth from here, from Thompson, Georgia, to Royston. And uh, we talked a lot, got to know each other. Something just started clicking. You actually went to WWE when he did that one spot SmackDown. I, I, I saw him. I was like, yeah, I'm sitting in the front row, and he's getting head shaved by Punk, you know, doing this society thing. And I was like, I know this guy. You know, he's an indie guy. Um, but I didn't, man, I wasn't friends with him or anything like that. I wasn't friends with him until maybe like two or three years ago. Um, and I just realized this guy had it. And... I don't. I mean, I don't know how it how we, how we all came about this. We we're all sitting there booking it. And it was like, all right, if we're gonna go, um, if we're gonna go out. We're gonna go out with the bang. We're gonna do the best best show we can do. Let's do a super card show. We knew the big the storyline that has started from the beginning since the guys got there to the end was Hex 
and Jacoby. Yes. I wanted to pay my respect to those guys. I wanted to put them on last. I want to put them on in a big cage match. I want them to have it. What were some of the other big matches we could do? You know, let's do let's do ladders match, you know, and let's do this, let's do that. It was like, okay, so what do we do with Henry? Because he just came off the rapture gimmick. The whole time we're doing this is like he's basically Daniel Maine's personal vendetta guy. He's gonna be the hitman for, for Maine. And uh so like, what do we do with him? Well, let's start naming out some guys that we can bring in that would draw. You know, start off with like Matt and Jeff Hardy. Uh, you know, Matt and Jeff Hardy are very busy guys. They're very hard to get in touch with also, unless you're like in that inner circle up there in Carolinas. Uh, you know, we'd already done Jimmy Rave prior to that. We got the Scenic City Invitational Tournament Match 2. Uh, that was knocked out in February. The original plan that we started talking about in November – late October, early November, was for him to work AJ Styles. We wanted to bring a guy. I mean, was like, there was seven or eight guys we named that were just like, okay, who do we bring in that can draw and who can have a badass match? Because we need a wrestling match. We got all these other cool, you know, stipulation matches. We need a good wrestling match. Well, we're in negotiations. We're talking with Bill Barons. And, you know, Anthony's trying to set this up because uh, his uh, girlfriend's dad is David Young from – you know, the guy's been around. If you live in the Southeast, you know who David Young is. Big part of uh, TNA yes. and their early upgoing. He knew AJ Styles from a young guy. He was dirt training. Had connections. So we're trying to negotiate, negotiate price. He's in Japan. Yes. So we're trying to deal with him. We're running on time constraints because if we get this match set up, we get the price right, we got to promote the hell out of this match. Of course. You know, this is going to be the biggest match ever happened in Augusta. Exactly. You know, prior to what WWE or TNA or, you know, NBA's done. This is a big independent match for this area, for Anthony Henry's career. His career, yeah, I was about to say. And what do you know? We couldn't, we couldn't finalize the deal, and rumors start flying late December. He's going to the Fed. He's going to the Fed. Sure enough, here comes Royal Rumble. <laughs> They're in Orlando, right? Yeah, Orlando. AJ Styles in Orlando. He signed the deal. We didn't get to sign him quick enough. His last match was like in uh, – February in Piedmont, Alabama against Corey Hollis. It was the last indie match he did. And it was like, we were that close. But it was a risk that we weren't willing to take at that time, which we probably should have. It would have been awesome. But in the same process, you know, would have WWE allowed him to do a match that far into his, uh, you know, because, I mean, that's obviously really close to, to WrestleMania. You know they're going to use him. So of course, of we would have lost it there. We would have lost all the promotions, stuff like that. But so it was like, what's the next best thing? And it was like, well, it's not – I mean, we, we called like seven more people and nobody – everybody was booked. Everybody. It's like, man, when in the when in the hell did everybody get first Mar- the first Saturday in March booked all of a sudden? <laughs> so it was like, what's well, the next best thing? We've been continuing this thing with, uh, with you and uh, – with Anthony. With you were being the GM or whatever and you were trying to bring down the, the rapture and stuff. Let's just keep on going with that. This, you're going to be his personal referee every match. He's going to request it. We, so we started that, and it led into like, all right, so we, now we're going to do this match. And um, we knew it couldn't be a regular wrestling match because Anthony is a level 10, you know, around here, level 10. We got a lot of level 9 and 10 guys. I hadn't wrestled in two years. I was a level 5. I still know what to do. Body, muscle member went there. It was ring rust. Let's do a street fight. Let's, let's get up. Once again, Let's bring out the positives and hide the negatives. You know, insinuate insinu- the positives and hide the negatives. And we did a great match. It was a great story. And if it wasn't for him, um, 
wasn't for me and, and Caleb and Daniel sitting around discussing these things, uh, the story wouldn't have been involved as much as it did. Um, so that's how that match came about. That's how I got that one match. And, you know, and he just decided to pay respect because he know he's one of the few people that got to see what everybody behind the curtain was going through. We took road trips together. I would go just to watch shows with him just to get out of the house. Became very close. His wife, or his girlfriend, and my wife were very close. They were both in my wedding. It's very public now. We try to keep that very hush-hush for a little bit. Not really. But, um, I mean, it was just really, we had, I mean, it was just a good time. And that match made me realize, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I am done wrestling. Refereeing is all I want to do. Well, to answer that question, but, uh, but um, you've had an incredible career, you know. How how do you want the world, you know, our wrestling world? You know, we all grew up together, done for the last 15, 20 years. How do you want to be remembered? I, you know, here's peers and the, fans? the thing about it is I've never I don't I've never wanted to be the most liked guy. It's not a popularity contest. We're not all gonna like each other. Some days we're gonna I mean, all the three of us sitting right That's here, right. even though we haven't had a lot of content. Points we didn't like each other. Yeah. You know, we're not even knowing each other. Um, and it's usually because people just run yeah, it's running mouth, whatever it may be. You, know, you might I mean, jealousy, uh, you know, be not being able to work with them, not being able to get with the, you know, rumors, whatever it is. You know, I just want to be respected. That's all it is. I don't care if you like me, just respect what I'm doing or at least what I'm trying to do. We're not gonna, we're human beings. Exactly. I just, that's just my thing. I felt like me, Daniel, and Caleb, and, 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 um, all the guys that were part of Flatline Pro Wrestling, the production guys, um, you know, guy who doesn't get any credit. A lot of people jab at him a lot or whatever for fun. We play, play around with him and joke a lot. Caleb Sobal, um, he helped out production table tremendous amount. Um, if we if he wouldn't have been there and helped learn the stuff that we had to do, like he evolved from being a guy who got yelled at every show by me to. You know, being the world's like, great job. I appreciate everything you do. Everybody, PJ, uh, you know, everybody knows PJ that was there. I, I don't want to mess up his last name. It was Sinnenberg, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. But he's a lot of guys that nobody really knows about. He was a production guy. All the wrestlers that were ever part of it, um, they did. They made Flatline what it is. I just, I just kind of had the revenue to be able to put a ring up, buy a ring, put it up. I had a vision of how I wanted a show scripted, how I wanted it put together and then those guys without those guys all those different type of individuals and characters coming out every first Saturday and doing what they do and being professional about it yes um, and working with us uh, it has elevated me and Daniel because a lot of people don't even know who run Flatline you know I go in locker rooms and be like oh man that Flatline company over there either they liked us or they hate us which is going to be everywhere that's what we respect and I think when it boils down to it um, at least to my face, I don't think anybody really has a lot of bad things to say about me. I mean, they have disagreements to maybe with some of the decisions I made. But I think as a person, I think everything was good. I think as a as a booker, I tried to do the best that I could do. Um, and I just hope that everybody respected the decisions that I make now. Now that we can sit back and look at it, okay, oh, well, yeah. there's no spots to fight over. There's no big belts to fight over. There's no you know, money to fight over. It's just us looking back at how such a great time we had. And hopefully everybody had something positive to take away from that. And hopefully I, in everybody's mind, you're not going to please everybody, but no, you're not. hopefully I, you know, gain the respect of people. 
what you did in our community. I've got no no doubts in my mind. You know, I was very, very, very excited to do this interview with you, man. I, I appreciate taking the time. You, know, you got a busy schedule. You know, we all do. But um, so you're fishing. You know, you're fishing. Retired from active wrestling. Is there? Any I didn't retire. Future? Let's get this straight. Okay. They retire. <laughs> Two reasons. One, never retired from wrestling business. Two, when you retire, you retire from a career. Exactly. Wrestling was not my career. I was a weekend warrior. I quit. I'm be honest about it. You know, I mean, one of those guys like, oh, I'm hanging up the boots. Like, no, I quit. They come back three weeks later. I quit. <laughs> That's just it. I just, I just quit. I'm not stabbing anybody. So if you take that as a stab, then you're guilty on your own. It's your conscience beating you up. Right. Um, I just, I didn't make a career out of it. My career is a firefighter. I've been there for eight years for Augusta Fire Department. Um, that's where I gained the most money from. That's how I paid my bills. Is I'm going to feed my child that's on the way. You know. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank yeah. you. That's another reason why I'm having to like flatline's got to go away. Um, you know, I guess there's no time for that. But uh, I, I just, some people just don't get it, man. I, and and know, some people and, can. And, and, and my personal experience, bro. You know, when I first realized I can't do this no more, when I first said I have my son in my arms, then I get a second son, I get a third son, I got, I got three beautiful boys, and they're big fans of wrestling. And yeah, so, hey, some people can do it. I know plenty of people who have kids and they I, can do it. I just can't. I can't. At least not yet. <laughs> I told my, I told Casey, my wife, I said, uh, yeah, maybe when they're about two and a half, three years old, we'll, well, because we own the ring, we're not selling it. Of course. You know, not yet until Daniel gives me the like. We need to have this conversation. You know, or vice versa, but we own it. Flatline right now, Flatline Pro Wrestling is sitting in a 16-foot trailer, 7-foot by 16-foot trailer right now, and, and that's where it's at. Uh, it's, you know, it's way too early to say, hey, we're completely done. We were tired. Well, no, take your time, And we, we just had to step away from it. And just take your time. You know, like I said, you, you never know. Right, right, Piper, I read his book, and I've heard all his interviews. He, he always compared professional wrestling a sickness. You leave from it, you track away from it, but it's like it's something that just does not go away. And something's going to draw you to get back into it. You, you might take a break for a while, six months to a year, maybe even two years. But something's gonna, it's going to hit you like a sickness. You're going to get contagious again. I hope the sickness, and you're going to want it. <laughs> I hope the sickness stays with me, you know, doing the refereeing thing and being able to buy a ticket to go watch something that I've watched my whole life. So. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and, that's, and that's what it's all about, man. I usually end my show, and I've I done it just about everybody. I was debating on it because the show's kind of, the show, we're almost at the two-hour mark, man, but it's been well worth it. Um, I'm just going to mention a few wrestlers' names. You just tell me what your thoughts are, what you did for you in your career. Or if you said, you know what, I hate this guy, I'm not putting him over next guy. However, however you want to do it, you know. And, 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 and Christopher says, if you do this, you, you got to promise that you got to miss this thing first. You know, because we're going to fall off the ground laughing when we hear about it, you know. What was your honest real opinion? Because he has his own personal opinion about it. I don't want to get too much detail with it, you know. Okay, okay. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying not to laugh. I like to laugh, you know. I miss his name every single show. What were your thoughts on Mask Fury, the man who never wore a mask? You might know him as Christian Fury. I don't know. <laughs> I know who Jay is, but I never oh, heard Mastery. Never heard Mastery. Next. <laughs> Irrelevant. There you go. Okay, okay. Move on to the next. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 mean, Chris, I know Jay. Yeah. Jay's relevant to me. Mastery, irrelevant. Move on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love that one. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 
You're, 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 I really, for this one, I really need my wife there to look at her and go, can I? Can I say it? Can I say what I want to say? And her give me the look like, no, I probably shouldn't say that. She's not here. Bring her up so, on FaceTime. Because, there you go. It's okay. It's okay. If she wasn't at work, I probably would. But, you know, hey, I, I want to mention this guy. I'm a big fan of this guy, you know. I know, you know, I've been diagnosed with PTSD. I blacked out a couple times in the ring, hurt a few people. I'm sorry. You know, so this guy does not want, he doesn't want, doesn't want to work in the ring with me, but yeah, you know, I never took that personal. It's just issues I got to deal with. But I'm, I'm a big fan of this man. I'm just curious in your thoughts, um, Drew Oz Knight. Oz Knight, yeah. The guy, no matter how he looks, underrated wrestler. Yeah, uh, very. It's just he's he, he was good. He always did good business. When I when I even looked at him and when we think that this is not going to work, he made it work. Yeah, and um, so uh, I think he. Um, I think if you could have got his, I mean, let's be, let's be honest, wrestling's about physical physicality, the way you look, how you marketable, some of that. He did business. Yeah. He did great. He was part of uh, one of our up-and-coming groups, and we never really got to go completely full full heel with it because, you know, we had to close, but it was the Galeno family. He played a big part in that. He's yeah. really good. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was good. Could have worked on a couple of things and probably could have went to the next level, but maybe that's by choice that, you know, some people are happy with where they're at, and that was it. I first met this guy as Kid Cutter, but most people in the interwar know him as Charlie Anarchy, you know. What's your thoughts on him? The guy who almost broke my neck one time. <laughs> took, it took me ten years <laughs> to get him to realize that he was the one that fought from a bad Frankensteiner. <laughs> it was, I was doing a Frankensteiner. He didn't know how to take it properly. Right. But it's okay. Water under the bridge. Um. The guy who seems to be doing better for himself, so I give him. I applaud yeah, him he's for that. He, he's made a comeback. Thompson favor. You know? Here you go. The best thing I can give him, Thompson favor. The guy is over every time he goes to Thompson, no matter how bad he comes in as a heel or a face, whatever. He's always over. Awesome, awesome. Timothy Blackman, no much team money. A guy who probably could have done really good for independent wrestling around the area, but I always had personal issues that stopped him from doing it. Yeah. Um, I met this guy a couple of times. You know, I, I had fun training with him. He's always been very, very good to me. He's had a pretty good career. But, you know, what was your thoughts on personally, uh, J.C. Walker? Um, I, we respected each other except for one time where I was supposed to drop a belt to him. And he thinks I didn't want to drop a belt to him because I didn't want to put him over. But I will go on record here right now and say, well, this had been 10 years ago, but just set the record straight. It's not that I didn't want to put him over. I just felt he wasn't established as his character at that time, who could have, uh, who deserved to be in that perspective or that that spotlight at that time. Um, if he would have stayed with the J.C. Georgia boy gimmick and ran with that, well, he'd have been gold anywhere. He could have been a baby face in Georgia, go to Carolina and be heel. Could have made money, but you know, hey, uh, whatever reason he had, he uh, didn't evolve to to get to catch that. The American Nightmare Six, or Stud McCoy, Eric Milford, or you want to call him? Good about Lucky the Clown. Oh yeah, Lucky the Clown. Very fun. Uh, creative genius. Yeah, I was... uh, very creative. Um, something that I wish that I could have been able to do because he's very artistic. Um, a guy who I think has learned the business the right way and knows knows how to play the game. I mean, he knows how to network. He knows how to get in there. He knows how to, to get what he needs to get over, and he does well. He's always uh, done business, um, you know, since, you know, when, you know, you always worry about a guy who was in a supervisor position 
you know, comes back and now he's an employee and you're the supervisor, you worry yeah. about like, how's this going to work out? And um, he's always done business with me, always done business with Daniel in the uh, Flatline Pro Wrestling game. What about darkness, Chase? Personal demons. Personal demons. Uh, I mean, another guy, just a guy I thought, he's got personal issues, he's got to work out, and he lets them get the best of him. What about, um, I just lost his freaking name. Dang. Well, I'm missing this guy's name. You know, I know we, we, we were all sad and we lost a you know, wrestling brother not too long ago, but what was your thoughts on Bam, Mike Marger, Michael Jr.? Uh, Bam's actually one of the first guys that got me on the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be, I, and I've, you know, been public about that, and I'm always grateful for that. I always had a good time with him. Uh, hung out with him on a personal level. Um, another guy who, you know, had personal demons that got the best of him. And, and it's unfortunate because he was a good guy to hang around. Yeah, he was. He was a good um, You know, I mean, everybody's got everybody's got uh, skeletons in their closet. Yeah. Some people are, are better at hiding them than others. Some people are better at um, being able to battle them than other people. And I think at some point he had maybe let those take over him. I don't know. It's a lot of hearsay. I was never really around for a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... It seemed like when I the, the the last couple of times that I had in contact with him and, and was involved with him and involved with some of the shows he was running, things you know seemed to be picking up. Life was taking him in a different direction, mm-hmm. and then to find out what happened to him, you know, nobody deserves to be to be treated that way as a human being. Yeah, and um, I'm glad that they've you know come up with some you know some uh, type of explanation. Yeah, yeah. We'll never truly never know the people who are close to that situation. Close to Bam may know more than what the average people will know. Um, I, I'm not I'm not sure, but uh, hopefully justice will be prevailed on that because it's very sickening to to find out that one of the, a guy who helped you get into a business you love so much and um, brutally murdered. Brutally murdered. Yeah. The last thing I want to give you before I ask my final question, um, Daniel Maine. Whew. There's a lot. I think it's been like. <laughs> I guess another been a good two-hour segment. Yeah, another two-hour segment. <laughs> Bottom line, a guy that I never thought I could get along with that became a friend. Well, that's good. That's I good. mean, just because we were so business with each other in the old FCW days, um, I just thought that we would clash. I mean, in, in, his, in Dave's mind, I'm British, so my personality is different. And he's a little bit more... He's definitely evolved more. I was yes. uh, involved in his wedding. So um, I never thought that we would be actually be friends where I would be somebody that I talk to on a regular basis. Uh, so uh, him and Caleb Kitchens are two guys I never thought that I would be able to do business with and then with closed doors and actually be friends outside of the business. And and to have those two people, you know, uh, evolved around my life, you know, I'm thankful for that. Changed me as a person. Outstanding, bro. My final question, man, for this interview: Who is the, who's your favorite wrestler that you had a chance to privilege of working with that you love? What's that? I'm sorry. Your favorite wrestler that you had, you know, not not watched growing up, but a favorite wrestler you had a chance to work with, wrestle with, compete with, you know, or just, just have any type of involvement. You just with. love wrestling with him. He's your um, one guy I never, you know, be honest with you, like I, like wrestling wise, there's a, there's a couple people that I liked working with. Um, I liked working with Shadow Jackson as the Yasir Akbar character. 
because uh, he was like super hometown hero kind of guy, easy to work with, old school. Um, Ricky Norton was really fun to work with because he's very old school, and he taught me that you don't have to do a lot of flashy junk. You don't have to take a lot of bumps to yes. get the match over and to have fun and to do business. Um, I enjoyed working with Jimmy Rave the few times that I got to be involved with him. I know uh, some people were like, oh, man, you always got to name drop people. No, I really enjoyed working with him. He's a very professional guy. Um, I learned a lot from him very quickly. I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, I got to spend two days with him when we did the tournament. I learned some stuff from him then. And then when we brought him into Flatline, um, real quickly, a couple hours, I got to actually sit down and talk with him. I learned a lot of what I should have been doing from the beginning. Uh, is a, one of the greatest guys that I think that Georgia has to offer, uh, and I hope that a lot of things change for him because he did have a promising career. And for whatever reasons, you know, some things changed, and you know, now he's on the he's up and he's on the up and up and working his way back up. He's doing really well. Um, the last one I'm going to bring up because uh, I put over Fireman. Um, <laughs> I I think well, two guys, three, two or three guys that I think four, four guys. These four guys together, um, probably three really: James Drake, Rob Killjoy, Shane Hexon. Three guys that came in and always did business, no arguments. Always guys that I could just give them a couple of things. I could, I can't even have a full sentence out of my mouth, and they'd be like, "You know what? Say no more. I already got it." Especially Shane Hexon when it came to doing all his promos. That guy, I can't. That guy is awesome. He's been wrestling forever. Mm-hmm. Trained in CWA with Jacoby Boykins, another guy who, you know, who's really good, um, making his up and up again uh, in the Georgia area. And I just, I, man, just they were just they were just guys I loved to enjoy being around. Bro, that's awesome, man. I, I mean, I, I appreciate this time. You know, I I, uh, I enjoyed this conversation, man. I mean, we went two hours. I told Christopher I, went, I wanted a Christian quick coffee, man. It's it's all right, man. Anyways. I'm saying, um, it's been a privilege, bro. And I wish we could a chance to, you know, got in ring and work, even to the training session, even a little bit of amateur wrestling, man. I wish we could have got a chance to do some more stuff. You're way out of my weight class and you're taller <laughs> than I am, so I don't know if I'd want to start. Well, 10 years, you. Oh, 10 years ago, I was 220. You know, yeah. I was, I was, you know, I, I just started, quit running and I kept, I, st- I didn't stop eating steaks, but, you know, I, I, I still chill. I'm still a fan of the business. Like, I know Prom Sam, I'm a mark of it all, but, you know, I'm doing this shootout. I'm giving everybody a chance to just, man, I, you know, and to be honest with you, this is really wasn't so much of a shoot. It was just kind of just us finally being able to sit down and talk about yeah, things. That, exactly. Like I said, we've crossed paths so many times, never really sat down and talked. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to, I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of people are going to sit there and tell you, like, who are you to be talking to all these people? You know, you're just you're a guy who who got to see a lot of these people I did. develop I did. and turn into from something small into something bigger, uh, for whatever level it is. I mean, we all we're all here to have fun. We're all here to put over a great product. We're all here to put over wrestling. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. So I appreciate it. I had fun these two hours. That's the reason why I went two hours. If I didn't have fun, we would be here thirty minutes. Which is what I said, <laughs> man. We're gonna be here for thirty minutes. We're here for two hours, so I appreciate it. Definitely like a two or three parter, man. Maybe let's two. Sorry, two, Chris, you're gonna have to edit nine. this. No, no, I ain't gonna be edited. I want edit. This, this, this would not He's be have edited. To chop it up at least. You know, so. if edited, okay. I got Twitter on my speed dial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, bro, I can't appreciate, it, man. Appreciate. Thank it, you, thank you, thank you.
you. Stay in touch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next week, I guarantee you, he's going to be here. I've already talked to him. we got to set up good steak, dinner, shootout, cookout. I've got the professor, Caleb Kitchens, is going to be coming up soon. Y'all stay tuned to the shootout. I'm your host, Survivor Payne on Touch My Bass Productions. Y'all have a good night.